Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. Hey guys, it's Titus here with the MVM show of Mid-Valley Mercenaries. Hey, before we get the show started today with Chris Aiken, incredible podcast, by the way, I wanted to bring up our partners with Yukonuba Sporting Dog. Guys, this dog food, the 3020 blend, is incredible. It, it has chondroitin, it has glucosamine, so it's going to make your dog's joints last forever. That's one thing that gets a lot of dogs and labs and many different breeds at the end is the problem with the joints. So, guys, check this dog food out. They retain it. They keep it in their body. Many, many top dog trainers all over the world use Yukonuba Sporting Dogs. So, guys, get the 3020 blend, and we thank Yukonuba for partnering with us on this podcast. So today on this podcast, guys, we got Chris Aiken talking about the Dog Days of Summer. Incredible podcast. Literally, it's gold. That's all I got to say about it. I just wanted to let you know before you even get started with the beginning of this. It's incredible. Um, I, you know, I have a lot to say about Chris. Um, for him to take the time with his knowledge, his experience, all the years that he's been training dogs, 30 plus years, to come on and talk to us is just says a lot about him. I have a lot of respect for Chris, and you guys are going to get a lot out of this. I guarantee it. So listen to it from the beginning all the way to the last second because it is good stuff. Also, guys, I wanted to mention the Duck Gun Podcast. We're brother podcast, partner podcast, whatever you want to call it. But they have over there the Duck Gun Podcast over there with Jordan and Elliot. You guys will love it. Same thing, waterfowl content and tons of great guests. Go check it out. All right, guys, let's get this show started. All right, everybody, welcome back. This is Titus with the MVM Show, also Mid-Valley Mercenaries on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. We, uh, by popular demand, and uh, we've, we got Chris Aiken back on, on the show here today. Welcome back, Chris. Thanks, sir. And so uh, I, I told Chris the other day when I was talking to him, I said, uh, yeah, the listeners really want you back. But in all reality, I got my own selfish motives <laughs> to have him back on and uh, talk some more about duck dogs. So the, the topic today, guys, is training duck dogs in the dog days of summer. A lot of people, um, it's, a, it's the hubbub on you know social media. People are saying what to do. And me and Chris, Chris talked prior to this a little bit about that stuff, but Let's get it from a professional. Let's get it from somebody that knows what they're talking about. And let's get into and dive in to the topic of basically get keeping your dog safe during the summer, your duck dog. Don't, you know, kill them. Don't push them too hard. But uh, I don't want to do any more talking. I'm going to let Chris get to rolling into this. So, Chris, um, what, you know, let's jump right into this kind of the heat concerns and trying to train duck dogs in the summer. Well, you know, we're we're down here in northeast Arkansas, and it, it's we've had a great summer overall. It hadn't been nearly as hot or humid as what it's normally been, but we're still we still struggle with it a little bit. Uh, we've had probably ten hot days, I call it, where you know we're having a shutdown at two or three o'clock in the afternoons. But you know what we do here is obviously we start early. I mean, we're starting at daylight, and and uh, you know the the first ten dogs or whatever pretty much got it made. Uh, due to the temperatures and the dew on the ground and all that, and so they do well. So, you know, uh, most people don't have a whole lot of dogs. They got one or two dogs that are working. So, you know, getting up early and getting started and getting done and getting them put back up before the temperatures do get hot, um, you know, is a good deal. But, you know, every dog is different, just like people. I know people that love being out in the sun, love the heat, doesn't bother them. They don't need anything to drink. They don't worry about anything as far as skin care. They don't worry about being hot. 
And then I know other buddies of mine that just, you know, man, they, they can't stand any of it at all. Dogs are no different. Man, I see all these dogs that I have. Some of them are very heat susceptible, and some of them, some of them, you know, don't they doesn't mind at all, depending on the breed and the color and and uh, and this individual dog, how they're built, especially their weight and shape, and how much they've been trained and all that. So you've got to take that in consideration. Like with us, uh, the the dogs that have been at home, uh, laying on the couch and you know eating cookies and ice cream and hanging out with the kids all summer simple when they do come back you know those dogs are the ones we're running first and we're trying to you know help take care of them uh and getting them as good cool a weather as we can and then as the dogs that we know that can handle the heat a little bit better and the dogs that uh you know are a little bit in better shape and physically fit <clears throat> we'll go ahead and run them towards the end of the truck uh just because uh, it just kind of evens out the truck and gives everybody the fair shake if you know what i'm saying yeah so, you know, and, and we all, we all, uh, we all know that, that water can be our friend in, in the summertime and we want to use the water as much as we can, but now you got to be careful even with the water. You know, a lot of these people, you know, man, they, they get up in the mornings and <clears throat> get the kids dressed, get them to school and get them to daycare, or, you know, wherever, get to grandma's house or whatever. They go to work, <clears throat> they come home, same deal, pick the kids up, get home. I'm like, man, I'm going to go out and mess with Fido in the backyard or down here at the neighbor's pond or out the backyard pond or whatever. And, uh, man, they just assume that water's a whole lot cooler. But, man, if that stuff's out all day long to, to get that sun hitting on it and baking on it, depending on the size of the pond, the depth of the pond, the color of the pond, uh, a lot of times that, those ponds can be worse than bath water, and you can actually be working in reverse. So you got to be careful about that, too. Now, here in Arkansas, the ponds have stayed really cool this summer. We've had a ton of rain. Uh, we've had a lot of cloud cover. We've had good humidity and, and you know, uh, for us. And we've had some cooler temps. I mean, the day that today's high was 85 degrees here today. That's that's unbelievable, uh, you know, the middle of August. So, <clears throat> you know, we've been a little bit luckier. So we are using the water uh, a lot more <clears throat> than than, uh, than we would on those hotter days. But, we know, we our ponds are kind of built designed for dog training, so we've got a lot of more deeper water and we've actually got some shade around some of them and all that so you have to take all that in consideration just use some common sense and take care of these dogs you know so many people <clears throat> want to row their dogs uh during that whole during the whole process of working their dogs in the summer to keep them in shape or getting ready for an upcoming season mm-hmm. man that's all fine and great except you're sitting there on the ranger or, you know <clears throat> on the pioneer or you're on the four-wheeler riding around dogs are chasing it and I promise you, those dogs are working their butt off while you're sitting there doing nothing. That is probably the most dangerous thing you can do. So be very careful uh, while you're roading. Make sure that's dead early in the morning or even at night or uh, before daylight because uh, then you really get them in trouble in a hurry. Yeah. Now, you said you were you brought up the swimming deal. And I heard on a podcast, it was quite a while back, but they were talking kind of about the same topic somewhat in some ways. But one of the things that wasn't like you mentioned the water temperature, like I've our lake, local lake out here, I've seen the water temps on my fish finder at 85 degrees, you know, like that's that's pretty bad would be, for, I'm sure, for a dog. But um, he was even just bringing up the the topic of that their skin, they can't breathe. Uh, their skin can't breathe. It's like being one when, when they're under the water. I mean, what do you think about that? Like if well, there's you know, long, like long swims. To- I talked to a vet this week about the same thing. We were talking, we were more or less talking about water temperatures during duck season. And, and a lot of people, the way they hunt, they uh, they don't always take care of the dog the way they should as far as keeping the dog out of the water. The dog box may have water in it. Uh, the dog stand may not be high enough. Uh, the bottom of the boat may have water in it. And, you know, the reason I was I called this vet, and it's just, it was Jill Klein, who actually works for Yukonuba, has been a client, a friend of ours for a long time, long time. And I was, I was calling her because when a dog overheats, the first thing they tell you to do is to put rubbing alcohol on the pads and, and in between their toes of their feet and on the inside of their groin and their belly. And what they're wanting that to do is that, it's that to evaporate off the skin, and it will help drop the temperature of the dog faster than anything and you don't want to bring the temperature when a dog does overheat you don't want to bring the temperature down too quick you know i've seen people dove hunt and actually drop a dog in a cooler and uh you know full of cold water and that brings the the, the, the dog down too cool thickens the blood it can actually cause death for the dog so you wow. gotta you gotta do everything in moderation when it comes to cooling down a dog 
but so so I think that there was whoever was telling you that my podcast is probably right because they're not getting any evaporation through their pads, through their feet, through their groin, or on their belly. So they're because they're not getting air to it. And but what I do know, we do a lot of stuff. We do a lot of ins and outs where the dogs are going in the water, out of the water, and we do a lot of that this time of year. And uh, where that dog is getting to breathe, come in and out of that thing. And like I say, the water temperature's only really been warm for about a week here all summer, so we really haven't had to worry too much about it. even in the even in the afternoons. Uh, we've been able to get those dogs in the water. Nobody's been in trouble. We haven't had man. We we just have not had the same summer that we normally have here in Arkansas, so we haven't had to worry about it nearly as much. But you know, you just got to watch the dog. You got to know your dog. I mean, we all. We all know our dogs. We know, hey, man, they really get hot or, hey, they really don't. We know how hard they work. You know, the size of the dog matters, the kind of hair coat they've got. Every dog's not created equal on it, like, like with humans with hair. I mean, they're just not – nothing's created equal from dog to dog. you just got to use some common sense and just got to watch your dog and take care of it. Be very conscientious of the humidity and, and the heat and, and, and take very good care of that dog, especially on dogs that, that aren't, uh, you know, have a, a regular routine of being trained. Well, what's some like? Um, I noticed one thing with my lab, uh, just panting like ton, like excessive panting. So, like, what's some of the signs you see or look for? You know, man, I, I, I watch that tongue. I don't mean to interrupt, but man, that's a real, real deal. You got, I'm actually getting kind of panicky thinking about a dog hitting that way. Man, I, I watch that tongue is the first thing I do. And if that tongue comes out and it gets real wide and it starts rolling, then I'm done. I shut it down right then. You know, we're going to make real sure we get that dog hydrated. And I've got uh, pressured water on my dog trailer. And, man, we'll start hosing that dog's belly and groin and, and feet down. Uh, when we get done training, we'll get that dog cooled down. If I think he's too hot, I'll have my guys carry him back to the kennel and hose his belly down and his groin down. And, of course, his feet will be getting wet at the same time. And just have him in the kennel with a fan on him and get that temperature drop down there where he, you know, where he, he, can, he can kind of regain him. Thing. but yeah that, that kind of stresses me out just even talking about it because that's a dangerous business and the problem is when you ever do overheat a dog what i found in the past if you overheat one i think it's the same way in humans that they could they're just in they just cannot handle heat from that point on in the rest of their life mm, and they just, just like get a human. really hot yeah. yeah they get really hot really quick so you got to be extremely careful with them when we do that but you know <clears throat> there's so many different ways to, to, to train a dog and everybody's dogs at a different level we got puppies we got all the way up to 12 year old dogs and, and we got everything in between we got started dogs junior dogs senior dogs master dogs grand dogs field trial dogs everybody's got their dog and they're a different level and you know there's all kind of ways to exercise those dogs and work those dogs without me just going through each and every level but you know you you, you got to be watching that dog and paying attention to it and in the heat for sure. Uh, you know, but, but here's the thing. Most of us, and I, I'm, I, when I speak for most of us, I guess I know it's the way I am. I got in this deal for hunting and I, I, I want a pet companion, duck dog, family pet. I want a dog. It's in my Christmas pictures. I want a dog, you know, at the lake with us every weekend. I want a dog some duck by me every day. It's amazing how many things you can do to train a dog in all those different settings that we're in every day at home without having to run the full out of them. What I mean by that, you know, you we hunt a timber lot, so we hunt our dogs off dog stands. So we got a deal we call boomer stands that we do the chains onto a tree, and we work our dog on off those all the time. Anybody's ever seen me work dogs in videos or seen me use, you know, platforms and stands where dogs are elevated. Well, there's nothing wrong with putting a dog in the shade on a tree mm-hmm. while you mow the whole backyard. And you're like, well, why would you put a dog on a stand while you mow the backyard? Well, believe me, that dog's up there on, the, on that stand. He's going to be sitting there for long periods of time during hunting season <laughs> without ever seeing a duck. I mean, we had the worst duck season we've ever had here last year. There's a lot more sit-staying in there with retrieving. You know what I mean? You're, so, the only, you're not the only one. <laughs> <laughs> I guarantee you. I guarantee you. So, so the That's a great is, idea. I never thought well, about that. I mean, and here's the thing, man. Incorporate that in every way. I mean, everybody seems to think you got to have on your rubber boots and your whistle around your neck and your e-collar in your hand to be training dogs. And to me, that's so far from the truth if we're building a family pet companion duck dog and i mean you can do bring your ground your ground blind in your living room 
Have it dog killing there while you're watching yeah. a movie. Yeah. You know, bring bring your bring your rough stand in there, you know, and, and you know, any kind of elevated stand or whatever, you know, do that kind of stuff. When you're at the lake, you know, be working on and off the boat and doing different things, you know, just anything you can do that can mock something your dog may see during hunting. I tell you what I did uh two days ago. I had to do some work on some on some pipes down at my duck club, and I put a boat in, and I thought, you know what? I'm going to carry my little young dog with me. I carry my little young dog. He's never been in a duck boat. He's never rode in a duck boat. And so I worked him going from the boathouse down there, made him kill him out of the boat probably 10 times, just sitting on the edge of the dock, me calling him in the boat, showed him where I wanted him to sit. We rode around. I spent literally an hour doing a 10 minute job, but I was dog training. I really wasn't working on the pipe as much as I was training junior. Mm -hmm. And, but here's the deal. I'm real, I got real pet peeves about a dog in a boat. You know, I'm, I'm real blessed to be able to hunt a lot. <clears throat> we hunt out of boats about every day and we hunt with a lot of people. Well, these people come today's world. Everybody's shooting a $1,500 shotgun and their gun cases even cost a hundred dollars. Right. Their blind bags are a hundred, $150. And the last thing I want is my dog making laps in the boat you know, like Mario and Gritty in the boat while we're going through the woods, <laughs> That's running all over everybody's shotgun and their blind bag. And then not to mention everybody's wearing a four hundred dollar coat now. I don't want them rubbing up against him. So I want those dogs remaining dead still in the boat. Don't move. When I get to the blind, don't immediately blast in the blind. Uh, you know, wait until I send you. And so I worked on all these companion manners during the summer. Although I didn't throw a whole lot of retrieves, I did throw some just to get the dog in and out of the boat and teach him how to work the I got those little pods on the back of the boat and I was teaching him how to come back into those and all that kind of stuff. But although I wasn't really doing just a real, you know, a three hundred yard landmark, 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 I did a tremendous amount of duck duck dog training. Uh, without me and him, either one getting hot, me and him having any problems, we were in shade. Man, we got a lot done, and we had a lot of fun together doing that. Although we were in the middle of the summer, we were in shorts and flip flops, we were we were doing some serious duck dog training. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so a good idea. Kind of, there's all kind of ways, you know. When everybody needs to teach their dog however they hunt, whether it be with a ranger or Argo or you know a duck boat or just however, you know, we got to be working those dogs in and out of those things all the time and teach them what we expect during hunting season. Well, I guess the more that you can keep your take your dog with you or keep him with you, the more experiences they're getting, right? Well, man, you man, the great you know, when I first started training dogs thirty years ago, a dog was like an eight seventy. It was like <laughs> a bag of decoys. He was thought of as a tool. Mm -hmm. And people had him in chain link concrete and people said, If you want a hunting dog, he's gonna sleep outside. <clears throat> that makes him tougher, it makes him rougher, you know, it makes him a lot more serious about it. Man, that's not that's as far from the truth as anything there ever was. Nowadays, man, those dogs are in the office and they're in the back seat and they're in a ski boat and they're they're with people twenty four hours a day. And not everybody can do that because of jobs and school and everything else. But believe me, the more you can have your dog with you, the better off you're going to be come hunting season. Because you just you've got a bond like no other, and that dog yeah. understands. You say, uh, uh, that's not a command. You've never seen that on a video, you know, but that's a huge <laughs> command to my dogs. Yeah. If I do that, boy, everybody drops their ears back and says, oh, crap, stop whatever you're doing. You know what I mean? That's so true. I got a lot <laughs> oh, of lingo yeah. that, that no one else knows. I go, ah, like, just like yeah. that, and he stopped. He's like, uh-oh. <laughs> well, you know, I think one of the coolest things to do, I, I always knew I had the right dog. When you, know, you get in a vehicle and your dog gets in the front seat with you, okay, so you drive up to your buddy's house. And you pull up to your buddy's house, and then all of a sudden he comes out, and he reaches over to grab the door handle. Dog jumps in the back seat, right, without you saying anything. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> he gets in, and the dog's in the back seat. And then here comes your buddies, the other two buddies. They come, they open the door, and he scoots over to the other side. Another <laughs> buddy grabs the other door, and he scoots into the middle of the back seat. And you're like, man, you know, he knows every step of the deal. Well, that does, man. That that's that happens in hunting season every day. Mm -hmm. You know, whether you're in a ranger, you know, like we've got one of those four-seater rangers, and that's exactly the way my dogs do uh, during hunting. So I by myself, they ride in the front seat. If they see somebody coming, they get in the back seat. And, man, those those little things don't happen unless you just have your dog with you all the time. And yeah. always, you know, it's just, it's just a chip, chip, chip deal to make it a wonderful dog. 
Yeah. Uh, I, I've been with those dogs that, like you said earlier, run all over your gear, that jump on you. It's like you want to throw that dog in the lake when you're in a boat. Uh, like that, you know? it's well, like, I, I tell people all the time, there's nothing bigger than hunting with a great dog and nothing worse than with a bad one. <laughs> and, you know, and it, it puts everybody in a bad mood. You yep. know I mean, just the whole, the whole blind is in a bad mood when there's a dog there because usually the person that owns the dog is wearing daddy goggles and they don't see three quarters oh, of it. Oh my goodness, yeah. And you know, and so it's just a bad deal. And hey, we've all been there and and uh, and I'm sure I'm sure, you know, I've had a lot of people upset with me there, but I'm always yeah. trying to curb it, you know. I hate those guys that bring a dog and you know sitting there whining the whole hunt and they're acting like it's not even happening and that yes. my blood pressure goes through the roof, you know. <laughs> I know they're like oblivious, like you said, daddy calls. Right. I, I oblivious to it. It's like, dude, do yeah, you not you can see ignore, it? They can ignore it all they want, but it's there. Believe yeah, me, so. that's so funny. That's but so, you know, but, but, but back to where we got to get off topic a little bit. But back to the whole deal is we're talking about summertime training, and and like I say, man, I think I think the biggest deal I see in summertime is to just use plenty of common sense. You know, watch the dog, know the dog, you know, know what his tendencies are as far as his heat and all that, and know how much you've been doing with the dog. You know, man, my vet's office is busier with Labrador Retrievers on September the 1st than they are any other time of the year. And and, and what that is, is I open that dove season for Arkansas. <clears throat> and, you know, you and I know that we've all been playing golf, we've all been fishing, playing baseball, doing all the family stuff, vacations, all that. And we probably hadn't put in the amount of time that we normally do as just an, an average dog owner uh, throughout the year. And then dove season comes up September 1, which is kind of our kickoff for the, you know, that's when the life changes for the rest of the year uh, around here when dove season is. And so now we're going to jump the dog out there and put him in waist-high covered grass and dry dirt and heat and sun and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And that dog's expected to do the same thing he did on the last day of duck season. Well, for most people, that's not reality. The dog's not in the same kind of physical shape that it was the last day of duck season. And so a lot of people get their dogs in trouble either with either with something as minor as soft pads where the dog's been in the house all year long. Now he's out there in the dirt and the briars and the weeds and all that stuff cutting his feet. Or it could be as something as major as overheating the dog, which is the number one reason that we have problem at the vet's office on September 1, especially on those afternoon hunts. You know, morning hunts, man, you got to do on the ground. It's cooler, you know, whatever. Man, those afternoon hunts, those people go out there at 1 or 2 o'clock and sit out there in the middle of wide open spaces and bake their dog and themselves. It's pretty tough business. Mm-hmm. Well, do you, now kind of going to hydration with the heat and everything, do you, just curious, do you keep your dogs like in a like a climate controlled area or like it, it, they just in the shade in regular kennel? You mean during during every day? And yeah, just all year round. No, we we have an indoor facility that we have, and all the dogs are in out of all the elements. So we have no bugs, no insects. They're out of the sun 100, percent and they're totally inside. And we don't turn temperature down to to 70 degrees by any means, but we. We keep it a lot, a lot uh, warmer than that, but I mean, it's, it's very, very comfortable in there, uh, you know, for everybody, and especially uh, because it's in the shade. And there's, we have these these fans in there; it's unbelievable. And so when it blows around in there, it's uh, it's very comfortable. So we 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 so the same. We keep them in in uh, climate control. Is, is the answer is yes, but it's not completely true because. Mm. It's not seventy degrees in there, like it is in a house. Right. Well, the reason the reason I ask that is because, like, say my dog is, and I'm sure a lot of people's people that don't keep their dogs in the house is like in my garage, but access to my yard. But like, say when it's real hot, he'll go in the garage, obviously where it's shade and there's concrete, so he can lay on the cooler concrete. But let's just say he's still hot in there. What would be a suggestion? I mean, I've thought about putting like a little pool of water where he can go lay in or get wet. Or do you have any suggestions to kind of help keep you him know, cool? We do a lot of times. We do a lot of times in the, like in the dog trailers. If we're really, really hot, if we get into an area, remember we went to Canada one time around the Grand, and they had the, the hottest week they had ever had in history. Of all things, we were there with the dog around the Grand. And we, we had everything from two-liter Coke bottles froze that we laid in the back of the boxes to bags of ice laying in the back of the boxes. And then, uh, you know, of course, we tried keeping air moving on all of them. My dog trainer 
is wired up and we have fans all throughout it and, and we run uh, we, we it all hooks to a generator we run all night long and we run fans all throughout the turtles getting that air moving man mm-hmm. i mean i don't know about you but like today we were training here this morning there was zero air moving until about 10 30 and it was pretty sticky and as soon as the air moved it was like somebody turned the air on and man, we were we were all comfortable from that point forward till about two two thirty when the sun really came out, and uh, it got us it got us a little bit then. It got a little where we were uncomfortable, but uh, but anyway, it was uh, it was pretty nice, you know, pretty nice just to have that air moving around. That's the same way it is in that dog trailer or in the box or anything else. But I mean, you know, you you can get some fan in there. I think you'll be amazed how much more comfortable he'll be. And then especially if you're in any kind of areas where there's any kind of insects. They're always passing them with a yeah. big fly. Mosquitoes, yeah. also they, you know, they hate air movement, so that really helps them in that aspect. I didn't even think about a fan. I'm stupid. Yeah, Man, okay. you, can go, you can go get you a $20 box yeah. fan. You know, the main thing you got to worry about there, and, and uh, you know, you just got to make sure the dog can't directly get to it and chew the wires up because, man, I mean, you know, that adds a whole other <laughs> something to think about. You know, you can't yeah. leave anything for a dog a chance to, to get itself in trouble because it usually will. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, so, um, as far as drills and stuff, like, look, let's say here in California, Central Valley, where I'm at, um, there's times, um, that it's at eight o'clock, it's 80, at nine o'clock, it's 90. So, I mean, even in the morning, you get out there with your dog in the evening, it's 90 plus, like late evening. So, like, unless, I mean, I don't mind getting up early. I've done it 10 times, four or five o'clock, get up to train him that while it's cool. But, I mean, there's almost a point in, here in the summer sometimes you just can't get cool so like what's some drills you can run is it more about time and watching the dog or is there some drills that you like to run that are short sweet and to the point well it depends on the level of the dog you know and there again you would go through each and individual level i mean you got a started dog or a junior level dog you know it's all about marks you go on in to, to dog that handles and runs blinds of course you can do all kinds of different blind drills or just you know but remember i would rather see a dog in the summertime do five hundred yards of trees as i had one or two five hundred yard retrieves you know it just makes sense you're getting a lot more reps in a lot more pictures and uh you know distances i think distance is kind of silly in dog training anyway you know anything past 200 yards uh, you know, is it doesn't have to. You, you can challenge a dog, and you can really work a dog over and never bust two hundred yards. And I'm mm-hmm. sure there's a lot of people out there that will, that will argue with me that you got to go over that. And there's a time and a place for it, but in the middle of the summer, uh, with high humidity, is not the time or the place. I can promise you that. I'll argue that with anybody. Mm-hmm. But uh, but you know, I think the more reps you get in, the better off you are versus just one big thing. So, but you better have your plan together when you get there. And you better hope the dog does extremely well when you get there and then get out of there and get home and get him put back up. That's the one aggravating thing about training in the heat is that when a dog does mess up and he doesn't successfully do it the way you want it done, I'm a real big believer in coming back and repeating it. Sometimes the dog's in too bad, bad of shape to come back in and repeat it anyway. Yeah. So then what we do is we'll put that dog and uh, we'll put that dog, uh, we tie him out to the trailer. We don't put him out back in the hole. We always chain him out. We got the fans running on him. We'll make sure the fans directly on him, get him cooled back down at the very end of the truck. We'll bring him right back and we'll just work on that one retrieve or that one blind. Whatever we're doing, just so we can squeeze that back in because he'll reheat up real quick. But so you just got to get to that one specific topic before you put him back up. Yeah, that brings up a good point because I, I've I've been feeling the same way for the last couple months. Um, I'm pretty much done with your second DVD um, on the series. I'm gonna start the third one, just trying to finish up the water. The water. Um, oh, my mind just went blank. Um, I didn't do the deep sea or the water tea. The water tea. You know, that's yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, anyways, you know, that deep sea that deep sea is a great drill too. You know, for especially for people that have younger dogs, or even you can always resurface it with you know re, re, retouch up with even older dogs. But you know, basically that's all hand thrown stuff. It takes one person, one dog, mm-hmm. one collar, and uh, you know one bumper, and you're just out there throwing and cutting corners and you know down the shores and all that kind of stuff. You can get in a lot of reps. What a great exercise! And the dogs having fun. The owners watching the dogs succeed and doing well, and you know they're actually you know, they're teaching them something. DT's a great drill to do in the summertime. And, uh, you know, I mean, I don't know about you, but 
my left leg stays wet all year long. You know, it's not all bad this time of year. It's not all bad this time of year. You know what I mean? So, I'm about to buy hip waders. <laughs> man, I'll tell, you, man, I'll tell you, we, we, we wear them in the spring and in the, in the fall, but this time of year, just like, always wear our, some some flip flops and bring it on, you know. So yeah, we, we don't we don't rap about it too much. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, I'm at the point where, like I said, I'm doing the water teed about to finish up that second DVD, and uh, just getting him to float. He's doing all the hand signals and everything perfect. Yeah. He he's wanting. It might be a good question to ask you now. Like, um, I remember watching that video of that dog, and I can't remember the dog's name in the video, but. What I noticed he was doing when he first was learning, brand new to it, he was turning around on the whistle, looking at you, but then, you know, the first time he did it, he was wanting to look left or right. Then you got, you guys eventually got him to float till about 10 seconds where his rear end was coming up. Now, what if a dog, if you're doing the whistle sit and he spins, he looks at you like he's supposed to, but maybe kind of swims at you a little bit. Do you just hit the whistle again and say sit? You can't eat. What I do is I kind of put my arms in there and I kind of get big and I kind of get kind of look like a, I'm going to call it a monster. He's kind of getting intimidating looking. And he kind of stepped towards him. You know, dogs don't like you getting getting in that kind of – so what they'll do, they'll kind of set back. You know I mean? If anybody walks up to you and throws their arms in there, throws their chest out, you're probably not going to advance towards them. You know what I mean? Right, they're right. Like, well, i got to evaluate this cat. Well, you know, so the deal is, I say what a dog is going to be. So when you do all that, you know, but you just want to hassle that dog verbally in no other way than verbally. You see it, see it, see it, and get him real stuff right there and float. And, you know, it, it's almost comical to watch when we're teaching that. We can get dogs where literally their eyeballs or nose lines sticking out of the water. <laughs> I mean, they just did it so well, you know, and, uh, <laughs> Um, and it, it's just comical, but it, but it takes a little bit of time. And But what I see when most people are training the water tee and they're getting their dog to stop and float and turn around and look is that everybody's so impressed that that dog stopped and turned around and looked at them that they want to hurry up and throw a cast out yeah. there left and right. Man, just chill out because here's my thing on that. In today's world, the camouflage has come so far. Mm-hmm. And we wear face masks and people wear face paint and that. We're here to the max. And so you think about a dog swims in 125 yards on a tree out there, especially if you're in like a timber or buck brush or, you know, you got a background behind you and you blow the whistle, man, that dog, it's going to take that dog more than one second or half a second to find you, mm-hmm. figure out which one of them guys is you, and then watch you give a cast. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, yeah got to give that dog three or four or five seconds before you cast to make sure that dog's looking at you. Man, I mean, we, we hunt out of river-style blinds a whole lot, and those holes are a little bitty. And a lot of times, I'll have to stick my arms out there and cast. And if a deal will be out there at 100, 200 yards, and you blow with some time around, and you just give some little old cast with camouflage clothes on and a camouflage box blind, that takes, I mean, that takes some eyeballs. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You've got to give that dog a great opportunity, you know, to float, to be trained to stop, float, or look at you before you give the cast. Mm-hmm. So, so be conscientious of that in the in the middle of August as you're training on, and be be kind of preparing, you know, your dog for those to be expected to sit there for two to three, four, five seconds before you cast. Yeah, that's and better to. I mean, as long as you're telling them to do it and they listen, I mean, that's that's part of training, well, yeah, right? I mean, it just takes some time. It's like training. Training. If if you go to train dogs today. And you never had to make any corrections, and you never had to get on the dog for one thing. Then you really didn't train today. What you did was exercise today, mm. and that's worth something. You know, reps are worth something. It builds confidence, and you know the dogs can get think that they're a little bit better than they were. But when you correct them and you tell them, "Hey, you can't do this. You can't do that. Or don't do that. Or stop doing that. Let's do this. Let's do this. Let's do this." Then now you're training. So, yeah. I'm, you know, you know, so just everybody thinks, well, I had to get on to him three times a day. So you're not doing that good. Man, if you don't get on to a dog a couple, two or three times in every session, then you just, all you really did was just put a rep on him and put a little exercise on him. Yeah. You know, so the dog yeah. that learns the most is the one that got in trouble. <laughs> got to learn the hard way, I guess, huh? That's just like we do. Yeah. That's really exactly right. Yeah. That's exactly right. So, guys, uh, in the middle of this, I do want to jump in. I almost forgot at the beginning, but uh, let's – I don't want to forget. Um, check uh, Chris and, and his team out and everybody there at Webfooted Kennels. You can go see them on Instagram and Facebook. I like um, watching their stuff when they post something up there. So, Web 
footed kennels. It's two B's on that. And I'll put the link in the show notes, but you guys should go check them out. So next thing Chris wanted to kind of go over was uh, duck season is right around the corner for some people, not necessarily for California, but till season's coming up here pretty quick. And like you said, dove season, but we'll kind of stick to the duck for this moment. Um, what do you, you may have touched on already, but what do you like to do to get them just kind of just ready? You know, like do you bring the guns out with some, you know, blanks and I mean, what do you do? Man, you know, a lot of people send us their dog for two nights before duck season. And, you know, what we're doing there, we, like you said, we get the shotguns out, we're getting some, you know, birds out, and uh, we're trying to, you know, we know if they hunt out of timber, we know they hunt out of duck blinds, we know they hunt out of pits, we've got all that here, and we work them out of that. Now, obviously, not everybody's got that in their backyard to work out of. So here's what you do we're all going to be working on our hunting places, whether it's, you know, putting millet out whether we're going to be brushing duck blinds, we're going to be working on, you know, finishing up that dog stand out there with your favorite hunting place, or, you know, working on whatever you do in your hunting scenario between now and duck season, but I'd have that dog there. Uh, you know, it's just, uh, it's just, you just can't imagine how much that helps a dog if you can have him in that element. And I'll tell you a story. I had this dog named Millie years ago. This was, when, this was a 99, 2000. And it was her first duck season, and she was a wonderful dog uh, and picked up thousands of ducks in her lifetime. But the year that her first year was 99, 2000, I remember that so well because that was the year of the robo duck. And, and when we had that timber hole, I went there and we, in September one, I bush hauled that hole and cleaned it up. And, and we built some new dog stands that year. And when I remember we were attaching that dog stand, to the tree that we were we actually screwed into the tree where we were at is a big platform by three by three and we hunted two dogs up of it every day a golden retriever named willie and, and then millie and i remember thinking man if i came in here and ran blind retrieves all the way around this hole from this one dog stand if i just like a nine point you know if you if you ever watched that drill if i ran like yep. a nine point in here in this hole that hole's pretty good size it's probably 75 yards around and I thought if I ran one about, a, about 10 or 15 yards on the outside edge of the hole, all the way around the hole, any duck that falls out here, I could line her up on that line and she would go straight to it and I could handle from there because she mm. was young. She was a year and a half old. And I did that. And I did that five days that I went down there from September 1 until we started flooding in late October. I went down there five different days and I ran on the same. I had ribbons hanging in trees. And I just dropped a orange bumper at the bottom and i ran those those nine trees and it was hilarious to watch that dog i could line her up anywhere in that hole and i could send her and i could send her across that hole and pick up every duck we shot and she picked up that year she picked up 1720 ducks out of that one hole in one year in one year that was the year year of robo duck and man and uh, it was it was the silliest thing I'd ever seen in my life, but we we would see twenty five ducks and kill twenty four. <laughs> Holy <laughs> cow! You guys, <laughs> that's we, embarrassing to hear those numbers versus what we kill every year. Sheesh. Well, I guarantee we didn't do that last year, but that was one year that we did do it. Yeah, and it was yeah. An incredible deal, and it was it was a lot of fun. I I was inviting every friend I had. They were welcome to come because we were killing them, and, and uh, we had the birds. And, we had so, a dog, and we had a rainbow duck, and we had a good time. Yeah, that thing was probably un- insane when it first. I didn't <laughs> yeah, buy it. I didn't buy it till several years after it came out. When because I was hunting before that, but yeah, I I can only imagine using it being the original guys the first year. But um, anyways, so you talking about doing that because I've I've watched the nine point, and I'm getting ready to start that here pretty soon, but um. Now that w- did you have water in the hole when you were doing no, that? No, no, it was bone dry. I was driving my pickup. I was driving my pickup in there, but it wouldn't matter. Like like where I carried Junior two days ago. Yeah, I was trying to think. It was yesterday. It was two days ago where I carried Junior down there. Uh, he's a little young dog. He's running blinds now and all that. I did exactly that same thing yesterday. If I was throwing marks yesterday because my place is all flooded. Uh, we've had a horrible time getting rid of water here this year down on the river bottoms. And so we've still got some water down there in our woods, unfortunately. But uh, so when I had the boat in there day before yesterday, I was through marks to all those areas that I kind of thought, you know, would be a good, a good uh, 
place to, you know, where ducks normally fall, just so he'd get used to crossing mm-hmm. logs, and mm-hmm. going through bushes and all that. And and I would love to go back and run a lot of those as blinds again uh, for him and then work him on out of, you know, our blind was right there, work him in out of the blind and all that kind of stuff, just to get him used to all that stuff. So when I get there opening day, I mean, like that was his very first boat ride. He's ever been in a boat with a motor, us going in there and him learning where to sit and learning not to move around. We get to the place we're hunting at, and I put him in the blind, and we work some out of it, and we work some straight out of the boat. And, you know, we just did some different things, just getting him ready for season, you know. Mm-hmm. And you do that two or three times, he'll look like a seasoned veteran, you know. Yeah, <laughs> right out the gate, um, the new season. Right, I mean, everybody's like, boy, that is a nice dog. Like, well, you know, <laughs> we, we've already had two or three days of prep time in here, and that, that, mm-hmm. that's worth a lot. So, Well, I'm, you know, I'm wondering, like, what well, – so for out here we're basically always in the water i mean there is times that they empty the water out because we're hunting public land like refuge places and stuff and so we're we're not necessarily hunting the same holes or spots every time it may be big gaps like if i want to go take my dog or anybody else on listening to this want to take their dog out to somewhere to train that's very similar to that like and they can actually go do the some of the refuges and do that and there is water in there. Can you run like those nine point drills and just stuff Absolutely. like that? Absolutely. You know, the, the thing of the nine point is I I like running the nine point in a repetitive manner. So I like running them over and over. So, you know, you need to try to find somewhere, although it may not look exactly like the place you're hunting, but you know, as you can get something that's very close to it and you mm-hmm. run a nine point, I mean, it just gets that dog understanding, you know, to look out and, uh, and leave on command, stop on command, take good whistles across there. Cause I'm telling you, man, you do that in two or three hunting situations, uh, you're going to have a really nice dog and even a dog that's very capable of, of running hunt test blinds, you know, as long as you got a dog that can, they can mark as well. They can run blinds, and you can go step out there and run a seasoned or a seniors or whatever, and do extremely well with a dog like that. That's awesome, though. Because yeah. you know what, my my, I guess because this will be the he's a year and a half. My dog's a year and a half, so he did awesome last year and everything. Got a ton of retrieves. I mean, not not no seventeen hundred <laughs> mallards in the farm, <laughs> yeah. but he did really good for out here. So my and i've taught him i've followed your videos and i've taught him all these things about you know uh, he's doing hand signals very well um and stuff like that but i thought okay he's doing this good right now here out in the playing field in the training field but i won't you know i guess my i got a little nervousness going on like okay now that we get out in the water in the pond and he didn't see it he, okay because you know when you're out in the training field they kind of know there's a bumper probably somewhere out there but now you switch it to ducks and you're in the pond. I'm like, okay, is he really going to do this? I mean, I I feel confident in his training, but now the real scenario, it, I guess doing that, maybe running those nine points out in advance would definitely build that confidence oh, up for yeah. both you of mean, you. You're, you're good at what you practice. And, you know, it's like my son, he's 13 now, and he played competitive baseball his whole life. And, and uh, he was on a bunch of little travel teams and stuff. And, I can't tell you how many balls we hit off the tee and we hit in the cage, but you know, uh, at some point in time, you got to get out there on the field and do the same thing. And we, there's, I saw a lot of kids that hit real good in the cage or hit off the tee mechanically completely correct. But, you know, if they can't do it out on the field, then, you know, it kind of defeats the whole purpose. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. you've got to get out there in the field and do something. Regardless if it's the very duck hole you're going to hunt in or the very place you're going to hunt. Cause we, a lot of times we like with us, we, we go to where the ducks are. You know, at my duck club, although I hunt the same place every day as far as the same club, uh, I mean, I'm, we're, we're wherever the ducks are, so we're all over the place. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we're in different places and different styles of hunting. We may be in a boat one day. We may be staying in the timber the next. And, you know, we may be in a, in a big river-style blind the next day. So, you know, you just, just whatever it takes to kill a duck. And the dog's got to kind of follow suit and do that. But you've got to get that dog. You've got to try to prepare that dog because – you know, there's there's on job training to a point, but the last thing you want to do is get out there with six or seven of your closest friends and turn the entire day into a dog training deal. You want yeah. to get out there and do as much of it to make it as painless as you can for your buddies because not everybody cares about the dogs like we do. I mean, I don't want to go hunting if there's not a dog there. Yeah. I don't wanna be I don't even want to be part of it, but not everybody's that way. And we gotta respect those guys too, because you know, they got their They've got as much money invested and time invested. Yeah. They want to enjoy their time out there just like we do, you know? So Yeah. No, that makes you sense. You got to make it fun for everybody, and yeah. including the dog. The dog's got to enjoy his job, too. Yeah. 
All right. Well, let's um, some some great uh, answers to those questions. Kind of wanted to go just into nutrition a little bit, and uh, you know, one of the I've I seen a picture a while back. I think it was three different um, sections, and it was it was showing some you know bad weights and good weights. If you're looking at the overall. Um, the look of the dog, what what are you looking for? Is there some advice you can give to like, okay, this dog's fat and overweight? I mean, sometimes it's obvious, but it, I know you don't, I'm not asking for perfection, you know, but when we're looking at a dog, like, okay, his ribs are showing, he's way underweight, or this dog, you know, you can't see his belly's flush with his hips, or, you know, what do you kind of, what do you like Man, to I, see in a weight? I like, I like standing behind them or over top of them and look down and see what their waistline looks like and look around the ribs, what it looks like. But we all know, you know, it's, it's kind of like pornography. You know you know when you see it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's kind of the same way with a fat dog. You know, you see when you're looking at it, you know what you're looking at or you know what he's a skinny dog. Believe me, skinny dogs are more or, or hurt my feelings more than a, a little bit of heavy dog. But, but you know, the, the deal is, is it all starts with nutrition. And, you know, we, we feed you Canuba 3020. And we've been feeding it for some time now. And, and we have had the best luck with it. Because here's what I look for when I look at a dog. I want to see either weight, muscle tone, which is all really kind of in one thing. I want to see skin coat, you know, hair coat. I want to see that hair looks good, and I want to see that that hair is shiny, and I want to see it. You just when you look at a dog, you can tell if he looks taken care of or he doesn't. And a lot of it has to do with the what the food that you're putting in him. Uh, I want to look. I want to see he's got good clean teeth, and and you definitely get that with Yukonuva. And you also want to make sure uh, that, that that you can get that weight on that dog with that dog food, and that's the problem that we battle at the kennel for, for years we've always battled skinny dogs and, and it's not because we're too cheap to to give them plenty of food it's just these dogs are so active they're away from home they're they're mentally and physically stressed out from training they're mentally and physically stressed out from being away from home and then they're mentally and physically stressed in training because of the expectations that we have from them and, and the needs that we have to, to get to the end with them and so we have to feed a dog food that gives them something where they can combat all that. Mm. And that's what we found with you can move 3020. So what we're actually doing, uh, you know, we're expecting the best from them. And so we're going to have to give them the best. Now, let me, I'll just tell you what, what's happened to us. We fed a pre and pro plan for several years. And, and it was kind of the, the, you know, at the time I thought it was probably the best of what was out there. Although, you know, it was a good dog food. We combated uh, weights with dogs really bad. And when we combated those weights, we had to double feed a lot of dogs. And when I say a lot of dogs, I'm thinking like 25 of them, which was about a third of them. And so when I, you don't think much about it, you got to double feed a dog. But when I think about double feeding 25 dogs, I think of that's another 25 bags of dog food out of my pocket right. every month, which is twelve, thirteen, fourteen hundred $1,400 worth of dog food. And uh, I mean that's that's a truck or a house note, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? And, and, and I didn't really get anything for it except the dogs had a little bit better weight. And so when we swapped over to Yukonuba, that completely went out the window. Uh, you know, man, we 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 didn't have to do that anymore. Matter of fact, we have we're having the other option. We're, we're having to really keep reducing and reducing and reducing the amount of feed we're giving the dogs uh, to control their weight. Uh, and, and we're, we're still learning with it, but I mean, we, we didn't, it'll be hundred percent honestly, I think we're double feeding about three dogs right now, but these dogs are in the 90, 95 pound range. And I don't know that no matter what you fed them, if you wouldn't have to, you know, do that for them, uh, just to make their weight look correctly. Cause man, you want to talk about a small dog loses weight. I mean, he, you know, he looks a little thin, a mm-hmm. big dog loses weight. He looks horrible. You know, I mean, he just absolutely looks horrible. So we've got to keep those dogs weight up. But, but you know, when you're looking for, for, for you know, good muscle tone, good hair coat, good teeth, good clear eyes. I mean, man, it's just it's you got to feed those dogs a good dog food. Just you know, these these off brands, just they just they're just not going to do what you need to do Mm-mm. if that dog is physically and mentally stressed. Well, they're they're going to the bathroom seven eight times a day. How in the world could they be retaining anything? Oh, there's no doubt. There's no doubt. I remember a guy told me one time he was trying to sell me on some dog food. 
He said, any dog food where you can eat four cups of crap 12, you know it's got to be good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I thought to myself, oh, uh, my gosh, man. That's like know? going to Taco Bell, man. <laughs> uh, my, my, my kennel health, my kennel health has, has really, really, That's really good. thanked me when we went to Yukonuba just because it, it really helped on all that stuff. And it, you know, I mean, you're going to have different things with different dog foods and, you know, uh, uh, you know, different times of year, whether it's real, you know, I know it's going to get real hot. Uh, we lose some, some of the quality of stool, you know, in the dogs because of the heat. And then it planes out and gets going. So you're going to have different times where no matter what food you feed, you're going to have some of that. And you, and you also, you got to learn the food and figure out exactly how much it's got, you got to put in it. You know, I, mm-hmm. I know there's a lot of engines, a lot of engines you put too much oil in, it'll, it'll burn it out and blow by and you put the right amount in there, it doesn't lose any oil at all. And it's kind of the same thing with dogs. you got to kind of figure out exactly where you need to be to keep the weight up, keep the energy up, and, and also have the perfect stool. So you got to kind of learn that with every dog. Yeah, that, that was one thing I didn't know at the beginning is, like, he was going six, seven times a day, and I'm like, what in the world? And then I switched to um, – <laughs> Uh, well, pro plan originally because I was feeding the cheap stuff at first, and then I switched to yep. pro plan. I was like, okay, it was way better. And then you Canuba Sporting Dog Thirty Twenty is like, okay, this stuff is legit. You know, like it wasn't yeah. like constipation or nothing like that. It was just that's all yep. he needed to go once, once, maybe twice yeah. a day. You know, yeah. So yeah, yeah. And you know that that makes life, everybody's life a lot easier. That's for sure. Yeah, and it's not even just about yeah. you know cleaning it up. It's just the fact. Yeah, it's like you. Like I said, you know, the body fat went away to me, like just the excessive fat. And then you got the muscle tone sticking out. And you would think on a black lab, you can't see it that good. But man, when their coat's that shiny and they're standing in the sun, you can definitely see, you know, the muscle no, tone. No, no, the hair coat, the hair coat was like a mink coat. You you feed you canoe for a month, and then you give him a good bath and shine him up real good with a few dry him off with a towel. Man, they, they look incredible. I mean, yeah. they absolutely look incredible. Yeah. I agree, hundred percent agree with that. So that's that's good information to have because, uh, you know, you you don't hear a lot of talk about the weight and stuff. Like you said, it's something you kind of recognize, but sometimes you can't. I, I do you think people get a little too over ambitious about this perfect weight on their dogs? You know, we we don't have it. I mean, most people that we have just don't want to see them skinny. Most people in my world have have just a little bit heavy instead of a little bit skinny. Uh, skinny, you know, man, it just, just people just don't like it. I think it all comes a lot of times from in today's world. I don't know about in California, but <laughs> in Arkansas, there's very few underweight people in Arkansas. Most people are overweight. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I think the world's getting worse about that. Mm-hmm. But, so I think we want our dogs a little bit on the plump side too, you know? So, and uh, it's, it is, it's a healthier look on, a, on, a, on an animal be on the heavy side and on the thin side yeah. you know and these dogs are expected to do so much and physically challenged to do so much they probably ought to be a little bit on the, the thin side but man you just whatever makes you comfortable and seems to get the best performance out of the dog and you know we got a in duck season a lot of times we've got to help the dog out we may be out there hunting we normally feel let's say like finn he, he eats about three cups a day uh, during duck season, like right now, he's sound asleep on his dog bed in the, in the bedroom. I bet you that dog sleeps 20 hours a day. <laughs> you know, honestly, I think that's probably a pretty good, he's seven years old and he's pretty relaxed in life and he's, uh, he's kind of in retirement mode. So he probably sleeps 20, 21 hours a day. Okay? Wow. Now let's swap gears. Let's go to November 19th. Let's start talking about that. Well, now he gets up at, five five thirty in the morning he knows we're going hunting so his anticipation's up but he won't he won't lay down he won't he's, he's let's go let's go let's go we get in the boat at six thirty and drive out to the blind and you know he's on point the whole time he's scanning the skies and looking even in the dark we get to the blind he gets on the front wall and we sit there and he scans the skies and stays stressed out the whole time he's gonna miss you know, one bird three miles off, he wants to see, be the first one to see him. Mm-hmm. So he's stressing himself out to watch any movement in the sky. And then not to mention, once we're killing birds, he's in the water, cold, freezing temperatures. He's, you know, crossing logs and going through brush and over treetops and 
he's crawling back in the blind or in the boat and then he's doing that again over and over and over hopefully during the day and then we come back in at noon or 11 o'clock or whatever time we get our limit <clears throat> we come back into the lodge and when we do he's literally just been awake in one day more than he has in the last two days you yeah know? yeah and then not to mention he's in cold water, not to mention he's stressed out about, you know, because he, because I mean, any dog that's worth having, he's going to be scanning skies all the time. You know how tiring that is for us when we duck mm-hmm. under deer hunt, we come in, just crash out because we're so, our alerts, our alertness has got us so much. So, you know, we, so anyway, long story short, so what we do when we're in the blind, we carry a little old bag of dog food with us, uh, just in a little Ziplocs. And we'll actually just give the dog some dog food while we're out there just to give them a little bump, you know, okay. and uh, give them a little, because, you know, you've got, because you know, when they're doing all that stuff I just described, they're burning twice as many calories mm-hmm. as he is right now back there sleeping on a dog bed. So you got to help that dog. So you, and you also, you got to be feeding some good dog food. Now we feed the same dog food year round. A lot of people don't, but they should. And but I mean, you've got to feed a high calorie dog food during duck season if your dog's out there working and hunting and all that. If you expect him to perform, he's it's kind of I mean you got to it's kind of like anything else. You got to put good gas in your car and you got to put good food in your dog. Yeah. See, Rocky's ninety six pounds, and uh, one thing I know, yeah, he's I and I and I feed him three cups a day, and I don't feel like I feel like he's actually lost a little bit of weight, and he might still continue to keep losing, especially once he starts running and working real hard once the summer cools down. But um, that's kind of why I was saying that. But he definitely's got more British uh, lab in him too. That might be part of the the size thing. But one thing I've noticed last year, I switched. Like you were saying, um, to one feeding a day, and I really like that. And it seems like it like he likes it too. It just it just works out better. But like leaving, sometimes we leave at two in the morning, three in the morning, and we may be out there all day. Just not every time, but let's just say we're out there all day, and then we got a lot, long drive back. And now it's it, I normally feed him like say five in the afternoon. We come back, and he will not – I don't know what it is about him. No matter how, how hungry he is, he will not eat in his kennel. I, I don't I don't know what it is why he won't do that, maybe because I never fed him that way. But, like, when we come back late at night, you know, that that's not a big deal, right, if he's been up since two. You know, you saying about bumping him with a little bit of food, something I never thought about doing in the field, you know, just a little bit. Give him a little bit of something, I guess. And are Absolutely. You, and are I mean, you feeding them more? We, we do it. We do it all day long. I mean, you know, but I think they're needing to burn those. They're burning those extra calories, so I think we just give a little bit of something extra, and then I just go ahead and feed right back to what I normally feed in the evenings when I do feed. Because yeah. man, I'm gonna tell you, you now during duck season, I'm better about it than I am any other time of the year about it, feeding an exact time on my on my personal dog. Like at the kennel, the last thing we do every day is feed the dogs and air the dogs and we go home. So they're on a real regimen every day. But I'll be honest with you, my own personal dogs, uh, prime example tonight, my son's got orientation at school. Uh, we're going to go out and eat with some friends after we get done. We're allowed to roll back in here at 9 or 9.30 tonight, and we feed our dogs in, let them out in the backyard to run around for a minute and air out a little bit, and then we're all going to bed. So I, I hate to admit it, but we're probably not on a greater schedule mm-hmm. as uh, as our client dogs are, but I think that's life. I think that's people. You know, I think we all have busy lives, and, and we're not saying, okay, at 401, we're going to yeah. feed – 3.2 cups a day. You know what I mean? This is not, yeah. not reality in today's world, especially with people with kids and crazy jobs and crazy hobbies and all that kind of stuff. But I, I, mean, I just don't think it, I don't think it affects them that bad. I mean, I never have noticed on my own dogs hurting them or helping them. And they don't, they don't seem to get too twisted up over it either way. Yeah. And they are now, are you, are you feeding them a little bit more as in a whole each day during duck season because they're working more or do you pretty much keep no the same? i mean i just watch those dogs wait you know but, yeah. but but if i do if i do do that what i'll do is on after the hunt we'll feed them then and then we'll feed late in the evenings or late at night uh you know then so i'm actually feeding instead of me feeding say five or six cups at, in the evenings i'll feed you know two after the hunt and then i'll feed you know, for it at feed time, you know what I'm saying? But that's just all about it. But then we're talking about dogs that really have to do a lot. You know, my dog hadn't had to do that much last two seasons. He really hadn't had to work that hard. Now you Mm. go back to the days of, you know, like we were talking about Millie getting to pick up 
you know, all those ducks out of one hole one year. I think it was 1,700. I think it was 1,725 ducks or whatever it was that one year. I mean, I had to pour the coals to that dog yeah uh year because man she was working her butt off and and we usually hunted two dogs every day and the golden that we hunted he hyperextended his front foot uh the second day of season and so he was out of commission almost the entire season and so she had to do every bit of it which she didn't wow. mind doing but uh and, and i didn't mind her doing it either because she she was a machine but uh but i'm gonna tell you it uh Man, you're talking about burning some calories. And I, I don't have one picture of that dog when her head's not straight up in the air, scanning the sky. It's just absolute anxiety. She's going to miss one something happening over that hole. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and so you just know how many calories that would have to burn all right. day long. Well, yeah, the mental aspect and the physical. Now, when you sure, say burning sure. the calories, I mean, yeah, burning the or setting the coals to her. Um, are you talking like maybe you were giving her four or five, six cups of dog food, like or? Yeah, we we were feeding quite a bit. Yeah. We were having to feed quite a bit, you know. And and uh, and you know, I'm not going to tell you that my buddies never fed her something they probably shouldn't have either. During oh, that yeah. deal, they'll find a little bit. You know how that goes. Yeah, that's sneak a twinkie in. That's probably not something that needs to be documented, but you know how it goes. <laughs> yeah. it just happens. It you know happens. What I mean? yeah. So, oh, yeah. so anyway, but it's a uh, but you know but but all this stuff is all this stuff just you know just us you know keep an eye on the dog and watching dog being conscientious because I mean here's the thing a good dog this is the thing that the biggest topic for the summertime that we need to take away before we end this thing a good dog will not I'm gonna say it again will not take care of himself. That is the number one job of a dog trainer, a dog handler, a dog owner mm -hmm. is to make sure that you take care of that dog because the dog will not take care of himself. He will run and retrieve and do his job to the point of death. And that's not a joke. That's not a, that is the truth. Mm -hmm. And so you have to take care of that dog. And you, so by taking care of that dog, you're giving him the best nutrition you can purchase you're taking care of him the time of day that you go, and you're limiting what he does as needed. Mm. And past that, there's really nothing else that you can do. Yeah. It's up to the good Lord past that. But, you know, the deal is that if you'll do those three things, then everybody will be successful come duck season. You know, because, I mean, all this stuff is about having fun with your dog, enjoying watching you, you two progress as a team. And, uh, and having, you know, getting that dog prepped for duck season. Cause I mean, you know, it's a, it's a very, very, uh, rewarding thing to be in a duck blind and go out there and kill. It doesn't matter if you're killing three wood ducks or you're killing 30 greenheads. You know, if you're out there and a the dog does a great job and when you pack it all up and put it in the boat or throw them in the ranger and head out, man, there's nothing more rewarding than that. Knowing that, you know, all your buddies are like, man, we're going to get me one of them puppies at. I don't know me one of those dogs. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Amen and, to that. <laughs> uh, you know, it's a very addictive. It's as it's as addictive as anything I've ever seen uh, out there because that's just how enjoyable it is, and everybody recognizes how much fun they are to have at home. Well, that's good to hear, especially as long as you've been doing it, Chris. To say it's addict addictive because I mean, I'm a, I'm majorly addicted to it. And like you said, I don't want to go if the dog's not there. It's like oh, it's, if he wasn't there, that's all I'd be thinking about, and I wouldn't even enjoy as much. So. To know that that never leaves and probably gets even more addicting the more you do it, that's a pretty encouraging deal. But guys, well, I, I, the, the dog world is crazy right now than it's ever been. I mean, prime example of it. I don't know about y'all, but in, here in our part of the world, the hunt test game is absolutely off the hook. Uh, UKC, you're having to get in two and three months ahead of time to get in a hunt test. AKCs. Uh, to, to let everybody know how that works, they'll they'll say that all right at Wednesday night at eight o'clock we're going to open the entries for our master test, and we're only going to take ninety dogs, but it opens at eight o'clock on Wednesday night. So you do all of it online uh, through a, a company called Entry Express at eight oh one. I'm gonna say it again at eight oh one. One minute after it opens, ninety dogs completely full. <laughs> Wow. That is every Wednesday night all the way across the country. Wow. Okay. It used to, now I don't mean like a hundred years ago. I'm talking about six, seven years ago, any hunt test I wanted to go to, they would call me probably and say, Hey, are you coming to our test? Mm. And I say, I don't know what you got. He said, well, if you're not coming, we're probably going to have a test. We're not going to have enough dogs. Wow. And now, now, uh, they probably don't like it when I do come because we bring so many dogs and that block so many other people from getting to come. So the dog world is, is unbelievable. There's more dog trainers out there professionally than there's ever been. Uh, 
there's more, you know, there's more dogs being registered than there's ever been. There's more dogs being titled. Uh, the Master National, I think, had right at 1,300 dogs this year qualify for the National. Jeez. The Grand had, uh, I think, 599 dogs entered uh, for the Fall Grand. Uh, in Bong, Wisconsin, uh, entries shut off yesterday at noon at 599. Wow. Uh, that's just incredible how many dogs that is into a national level event. We're not talking about started dogs. I mean, these are, these are the, you know, the best of the best in the hunt test world. And, uh, just people from all over the United States from, from one in this country to the other, uh, that are engaged in it and, and addicted to it as we are. So, uh, it's exciting time in the dog world for sure. What do you think's created that? I know we're going to end this, but I think same thing you and I do. It's social media. Addictive sport. Addictive sport. Uh, and I yeah. think that more people, you know, back in 2002, there was a, a deal created called the Super Retriever Series. And a lady by Shannon Nardi is the one that basically started and invented and still owns it to this day. And I don't think in 2002, everybody knew what a dog was really capable of. I don't think they, I thought everybody had meat dogs. And I think if you shot a duck, the dog blasted away from the tree or from the blind, went out and got the duck, brought it remotely close back, dropped it at your feet. You picked the duck up and he didn't eat it. I think they had what we call meat dogs. And I think that's what the world thought of when they thought of a dog or a duck mm -hmm. dog. Yeah. Nowadays, that dog has to do huge multiples, run it, you know, really good blinds, you know, to, to handle through and under and over everything. And uh, I think just that the people understand what education level a dog can get to and where they can actually be. And I think that she, because she put it on, you know, it was on ESPN, I think just everybody realize what you could actually own and what you could have and i think that as people got those dogs and then started training and you know maintenance them or getting them trained and they're training them themselves or whatever and then just enjoyed it for what it was and then, man it just became bigger and bigger and more and more people understood it now all the different type of training techniques that are you know shared out there whether it be through videos or youtube or you know uh, uh you know like freddie king's deal or my videos or or whatever, just everybody now has the understanding right to right their fingertips. Or before, you basically went and helped a pro or worked for a pro for two or three years just to get a general understanding of how to train a dog. Yeah. Nowadays, man, it's all right there at your fingertips. Yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. so. Man, guys, this, this was gold today, Chris. I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, guys, if you can... Give this podcast a rating and a review. Write write us your thoughts and uh, give it five stars because I'm telling you what, this is worth about 20 stars. This has been really good. I know it's helped me. I know it's helped a bunch of you. And um, we really appreciate you, Chris, for coming on here again and helping us out and teaching us. And um, guys, go follow them at Web Footed Kennels on Facebook and Instagram. Are, are you guys on anything else, Chris? Is that it right there? No. No, that's it. Yeah. Okay. So thanks again. And uh, guys, don't be for, don't forget, listen to this, share it with your buddies. I mean, this duck season's coming up, and this is major, major help to a lot of people. And taking wisdom from somebody that's been doing it for a long time, and we really have a lot of respect for. So we will catch you guys on the next episode. Mm -hmm.